listening to the New Century Multiverse, The Princess Thieves. Chapter 7. Crossed Pathways Robin pulled out a pair of pistols and proffered them with a flourish at the two young ladies. Excuse me, your majesty. Frightfully sorry to have to do this, but I'm going to have to ask you two to come with me. We have no idea what you're talking about. We're fishmongers on the way home after a long day of mongering fish and fighting. We don't have any money. (laughs) Well, you don't smell like fish at all, which is odd for a brace of seasoned fishmongers. We clean up well. You certainly do. Now, your majesty. Your highness. Sorry? You call a king or queen your majesty. Brilliant. Thank you. Drop the charade, please, Princess Gwendolyn. I know your lovely face very well. What happened next was fairly fast. Viola whispered something and Robin's fingers turned to figurative chilling. He dropped his pistols and Oberon realized that the female dwarf was responsible. His eyes widened and he grabbed at her and flung her across Regent's Park and into a large cypress tree. As she sailed through the air, Viola managed a pinpointed sleep spell upon Oberon, who obligingly crashed to the ground, leaving Gwendolyn punching at the empty space where Robin had been. Stand still. No, you'll hit me. You little rats. That's hurtful. Honestly, this didn't go at all how I planned. As Gwen dived and lashed at Robin, he sidestepped and wove around her. I never knew you could do this. I was watching you fight earlier. You're amazing. I mean, for a girl. Come on, calm down. I promise I won't kidnap you. I can't. I mean, look at my friend down there. How am I supposed to move you and him at once? Come here. You've won, princess. You can escape now. I don't want to escape. I want you brought to justice, mister. I'm not sure I want to tell you. I have a reputation to maintain. And bungled kidnappings really don't help that sort of thing. I know who you are. Really? Well, you have a hood, you're a dwarf, and you won't stop bloody talking, so... She caught him by the collar and pinned his right arm behind his back. (laughs) I believe I'm in the presence of the dashing brigand Robin of the Hood. Hmm? You forgot green. I always wear green as well. (sighs) (sighs) Let go of me. No. Let go of me. No. Please? Oh, all right. Really? No. All right, all right, what's going on here? Are these robbers? Can someone please help me down out of this sodding tree? Yes, please help her down, officer. Jump into my arms, miss. Ah! There. (sighs) Smith? Bring wagon around. We've got an acker and a duart. Thieves for choke Actually, they were robbing us. What? Come again. <laughs> we tried to run, but the duart tripped my companion over, and this woman mercilessly beat me into submission. She took my friend's wallet. I did nothing of the sort. I think you'll find she did. It has something like 12 gold in it. Brown leather. Oh, why? Why? He's correct, sir. The girl does have that purse right here. 12 gold, like he says. <sighs> He must have slipped it into my coat while we were fighting. What about the pistols? Are you going to arrest me for armed donation to this woman? Oh, my head. What happened? You fell asleep and these two took us for everything we have. This is absolute balderdash. 
Officer, you are speaking to the Shh. what? Shush now, Violet. Uh, Vanessa, the game's up. What? They've got us banged rights. No, it's time we face the music. I have to tell them. This is Princess Gwendolyn, you fool. Look at her face. Yeah, it's pretty swollen and filthy. She's been fighting. Which we all know princesses do. Who are you then? I am Miss Viola Hearthstone, official bodyguard of the princess. Now take us to Buckingham Palace. Everyone in there tonight will vouch for us. What do you think, Smith? Probably best to at least check them before we take them to the tower. They all seem shifty. Ah, nothing about this smells right. I don't trust one of you. What did I do? Shut your face, Ake. Smith, pick up them pistols. Take the bow off the duart. Take blades off the big one. Right, into the wagon, all of you. So we're making two stops tonight. Inside the wagon, Viola and Oberon scowled. Robin and Gwen, however, were experimenting with catching one another's eye. She kept smiling, which made him smile back, and their companions frowned more deeply. What? What about do exactly as I tell you did you not get? You didn't tell me to do anything. You just said we were fishmongers. Which you didn't believe for a second, did you? I didn't. How? How are we going to get out of this? Leave that to me. You're rather confident for a highwayman in chains. First of all, I wouldn't have much of a career as a thief without being a good lock-picking artist. I'll confess, I'm not much of a good shot at all. I'm all right at fighting, but lock-picking, that I can do. Now, these are Mandelson locks, which are tricky, but not impossible. If there were Strode locks, we'd be in trouble. Gah. With that, the Dwart hopped up on the bench and crouched down, retrieving a pair of thin metal hooks from the lining of his boot. He set about first freeing Oberon's hands from their shackles and then his own, followed by their feet. I've been in the back of these before. Now, I couldn't be sure the wagon would be set up like this, but I'm awfully glad that it was. Now, we need a distraction, and if I'm not mistaken, we're currently riding down Charing Cross Road. Robin pushed his face up to the window bars, his eyes wide open. Mercifully, among the people on the street at that late hour, he spotted a gaggle of green-attired hoods. He whistled two sharp notes that meant a great deal to them, and in response they clocked the wagon and began to pursue it down the street. Robin sat back down again and glanced at Viola, who angrily and deliberately held up her cuffed hands. Just wait a moment. No. You unbind us now. Hush up a moment, Pinky. Call me that again. And I'll addle your brain so much with spells, your eyes will never uncross. And then where would we be? Back at the palace. And that's where you really want to be, right? I notice you haven't exactly been crying out for help since I started this escape. You don't want a big song and dance made of this, do you? We would like to be able to sneak back inside quietly, if that's possible. We'll be in awful trouble otherwise. If my father finds out she's been accompanying me outside the walls, Viola might lose her situation. We can't have that. What are you going to do? Let's go back to plan A, shall we? Viola looked first from Gwen, then to Robin and Oberon, then back to Gwen again, and that strange, hungry look on her face. She inhaled sharply to scream, (gasps) But quick as lightning, the Arca leapt forwards and covered the dwarf head to foot in his knapsack. The rescue attempt was already underway and impossible for Viola to effect. The wagon ground to a halt and there was much thumping. (laughs) Then the back door opened and a hood was holding it. 
Robin stepped out and clapped hands with this lady, who was of Punjabi descent. Latika, you are an absolute star. Hmm. You okay there, Rob? I'm fine, but I'll need you to bring those watchmen to Scarlet, along with a message from me. Mm -hmm. Give them the old bag-on-head treatment. They have to be out of the way and in the dark for at least a week, and for God's sake, don't let them find out where they are, or we shall have to kill them. Sounds complicated. We need to get you all away from this wagon. Absolutely. Do you know where we can get something a little more low-profile? Six minutes later, there were passengers on a cart full of hay and agricultural supplies. Oberon had hopped up into the driver's position and raised his hood, placing his kicking knapsack down gently on the seat beside him. Gwendolyn and Robin lay huddled inside a trunk in the back of the cart. Where are you taking us? Relax. We're not going to hurt you. That I'm not scared of, but you didn't answer my question. Ever been to Britannica? Yes, but only on diplomatic trips. I never got that good look at the place. Well, we have a hideout there. We're going to plan a ransom for you. And hopefully everything should go smoothly. It was musty in the trunk, and they had naturally adopted a spooning position. Gwen realised she was trembling at the thought of venturing out into new lands, but also that she had not been this close to a member of the opposite sex before that she wasn't actively punching. Robin spoke softly to her and kept his hands to himself. <clears throat> May as well talk a little to pass the hours. Get to know your abductor. Have you been doing this long? This? What, Princess Thievery? No, only about 40 minutes. You surprised me. You're very professional. That's sarcasm, isn't it? You humans invented that. It's French. We have it too. Your Duarte employees seem pretty adept at it. She's my friend. She said she was your bodyguard. Technically, she's my jester. Does she make you laugh? She makes me scream sometimes. Yeah, but I got a feeling you really care about her. You two are close, right? She's... She's my only friend. How's that? You're a comely girl. Must have had all sorts of opportunities to rub shoulders with the cream of the crop. Less than you'd think. I have difficulty finding like-minded people in my line of work. It's easy making friends. You just remember things about people. Their names, their likes and dislikes. You kind of... You mirror them. Don't make them come to you. Be fun and assertive, but not controlling. And you count all these acquaintances as your friends? Uh, they know I would go out of my way to help them. That usually inspires them to feel the same. But do they really know you? Uh, the Akka does. Maybe one or... Yeah, one more. Well, your techniques sound. For somebody so annoying, you are rather approachable. I'll say the same about you. Well, not many would share your views. I am rather a handful. Yeah. Uh, so, tell me what it's like being a princess. I mean, I've never taken that much interest in the royalty game myself beyond robbing the minor gentry. I know you're getting married this Sunday to... Lord Aaron of Britannica. Is he, um... Is he nice? 
He is lovely. So you get hitched to him and become queen of both realms. So that means you need to get back for Sunday. Hmm. What's hmm? Don't you want to marry him? Of course I do. I just... Well, I kind of needed a holiday first. Looks like one fell in my lap. I get to be a hostage in sunny Britannica. Yeah, I kind of wish I could have taken you somewhere more pleasant. Where would you take me? I, I hear France is nice. The sarcasm is splendid this time of year. We're getting off the point. You really are the last heir to Victoria. She was my grandmother. Edward VII was my father. He was her eldest, married to Princess Alexandra of Denmark. Is that your mum, then? No, actually. Thank you for asking. Apparently, sometime around 1865, he was carrying on with Lady Anne Hathaway. It was a few years after he married Alexandra, so naturally the scandal was hushed up. I'm shocked. But, you know, I'm glad it happened all the same. It means you're here. But of course, in early 72, when the bar guest hit Europe and spread up here so awfully quickly, all the royals fled. Except for little me. I got left behind. You know, I was seven years old and left in London. They never write, they never visit. Seriously, are they still alive? I don't know. Some of them might be. Balmoral was attacked pretty heavily that year. As far as we know, I'm all that's left. You're all stuck with me. Is your mother still around? No, she... Oh. You're right. Uh, she died. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. You Dwart turned up not long after that, when the gateway opened, and I was rescued and raised by the Archduke of Buckingham. Oh, Coriolanus. Yes, the war hero. This whole situation is going to make him furious. I don't fancy your chances. I know how to handle nobles. He'll be no different. You're handling me pretty well. Well, um... Can I take off this coat, please? Oh, yeah, yeah. What? This coat. It's roasting under here and it smells of some kind of animal. It's sheep, I think, and yeah, of course. Then followed a lot of shoving and heaving, as Gwen divested herself of her thick outer layer, resettling against Robin, who now had to actively place his hands behind his back in order to maintain being a gentleman. Can you move your hair out of the way of my face, please? Your moustache is tickling the back of my neck. Well, well, I suppose... Here, I don't mind. Um, are my hands cold? No. Do you mind if I rest them here? No, please do. Hmm, thank you. So how about you? What's it like being a thousand years old? You know I'm not the original Robin Hood. I suspected. I do all right. It's an important responsibility. The name, I mean. We rob from the rich and we really do give to the poor. Me and little John up there. Who were you? Was that? Before you started calling yourself Robin Hood and little John, I assume you're Dwight Gentry. You certainly seem to speak as someone with an education. My father was a nobleman, yes. Who? I'd probably know of them. Shh. We're approaching the gate. You realize when we get to the gateway, they're going to search the cart. 
your little John is going to be left completely exposed, and they're going to take me and Viola back to the palace and execute the pair of you. Do you want that? It's not about what I want. It's still going to happen. But do you want that? No. Okay, just don't scream when they start sniffing around. The cart halted, and there were voices. The guards were talking with the Arca. Gwendolyn could see through a crack in the trunk a sight she had beheld before. A billowing aperture that stretched above them many feet, up and off to either side. They were sitting now at the gateway to another world. Gwen could hear the sound of rushing as the air from different atmospheres moved through and wind currents blended. Right now, she could scream. No matter what Robin said, she had time before he clamped those strong hands over her mouth to cry out for help. Her eyes flicked back to him, his face faintly lit by the worlds outside. He had clever blue eyes, framed by long blonde hair, a cavalier moustache and a pointed beard. He set that mouth of his to as serious a manner as he was able, but the crooked, lopsided grin just kept pulling it out of line. The lid of the trunk was thrown back, and a craggy Dwart face glared at them, his eyelids drooping a little. They were only partially covered by Gwen's coat. Recognising familiar behaviour, she held Robin back as they looked up at this intruder. Neither of them breathed. The guard sniffed and wrinkled his nose before slamming the trunk. A few more words, and their cart began to move again. Oh, oh, holy jumping cats, he didn't see us. Viola. Your friend. Was she working some kind of magic from up there? Yes, did you see his eyes? I'll bet you ten gold he thought he was looking at farming equipment. She must have used befuddle. Uh, it's a variant of confusion. Oh, uh, yeah. Confusion. Right. Wow, this really isn't a well-known ability, is it? Uh, no. She always told me to keep absolutely quiet on the matter. In fact, you're lucky to still be here. She's not very good at befuddle. I'm more intrigued by the fact that she used it at all. Doesn't she want to get caught and taken back to the palace? No, it's like you said, she's very worried she'll be held accountable for this. It looks like you have an accomplice. At least one. She smiled back at him and wriggled a little closer. Robin sighed quietly as he began to realise what an enormous catastrophe he had now set into motion. have been listening to The Princess Thieves, written, edited, and produced by Alex Shaw, with a full cast. Narrator 1, performed by Spencer Lieb. Princess Gwendolyn, performed by Theo Lee. Robin, performed by Alex Shaw. Viola, performed by Loretta Saylor. Oberon, performed by Matt Wardle. 
Watchman Jones, performed by Matt Ramsey. Watchman Smith, performed by James Carter. Latika, performed by Shanta Parasuraman. And Mortimer, performed by Sharon Shaw. The Princess Thieves theme was Arrival by I. Sazanov of Shockwave Sound. In the Hall of the Mountain King, composed by Edvard Grieg for Henrik Ibsen's play Peer Gint, reorchestrated here by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, who also composed and performed Vadodora, Dirt Roads, and Angevin. Many soundscapes provided by Tabletop Audio. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Angus Lee, Anthony Flores, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolf, Kieran Datchler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Haskell, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And thank you once again to everyone who keeps us going, book after book. If you're enjoying this fifth story from New Century and would like to delve into the other adventures, they can be found as complete audiobooks on Bandcamp. And if you enjoyed this episode, I highly recommend you watch the 1998 film Out of Sight, directed by Steven Soderbergh with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez, and all three of them at the top of their games. Fans will of course recognise how heavily inspired I was by the trunk scene. See it. Sharon and I need to do a podcast on it. This is one of the sexiest movies ever made. <laughs>